Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. And welcome to Schooled with a Professor. Joining us, and it's so good to be with him, is Steve Mariucci from the NFL Network. Of course, uh, NFL analyst for the NFL Network. And you can catch him on Sunday morning uh, as they take you into the game at 9 o'clock. And uh, also, he's you can... follow him at us uh, at Steve Mariucci Steve uh, I know we were just talking about it what a great start to the football season you know John first of all good to be on with you and and uh, yeah I can't wait for game day morning again because we chat about all these teams and you said nine o'clock I wish it was it was at six o'clock on the west coast nine yeah. o'clock on the yeah east well coast. I was going I was going on the east coast and, time uh, but yeah so get up I've been watching but, yeah, my God, we had another great one last night with the Giants and Washington football team right down to the wire. And, and not just the primetime games that have been close, mm-hmm. but but uh, a lot of the lot of the games are one-score games and, and very competitive. And, and uh, I just enjoy watching full stadiums cheer on their teams, and it's, it's a great start to the football season. Yeah, really. What, what do you think one of the reasons are – for the fact that uh, you know we're having so many great comebacks, uh, quarterbacks you know, doing well. Because you know the one thing is, <clears throat> this is a year where there's 13 new quarterbacks on different teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't mean that there's 13 rookies and starting from scratch. I mean, some of these guys that are changing teams, like mm-hmm. a Matthew Stafford, comes in pretty darn ready to play well. And and so we're getting we're getting good quarterbacking. I I'm just been really pleased with the the quarterback the quarterbacking in this league. You know we're we're getting some guys retiring. Whether it's the Philip Rivers or Drew Breeses, and eventually it'll be the Ben Big Bens and Aaron Rodgers and, and that bunch. But man, there's some great young quarterbacks coming up. Our league is very healthy, and uh, these kids get coached early. You know, they're throwing the ball so much in college and, and even in high school and practicing like crazy and going to all the camps. We're getting quarterbacks that are much more ready to do this than we did 20 years ago. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think what's so amazing, and I, I wonder if you would agree with this, that it's almost as if we're going back to 2004, 2005. And why I bring up the, the, the those years, that's when you had Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, all in the AFC, and the AFC dominated the NFC in interconference games, you know, winning 44 out of 64. Then the next year it was uh, uh, you know, 40 out of 64. And you look at the quarterbacks, so many of the best young quarterbacks or the rising quarterbacks are all in the AFC. Mm. Well, that's an interesting note. I, I, uh, a lot of it has to do with quarterbacking. We all know that. Um, but we'll we'll wait and see. That NFC West is pretty stout, mm. you know. Although it's, they've got some good quarterbacks too. I don't know how young they are. Russell Wilson and and uh, of course Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Matthew Stafford. But uh, Kyler Murray's still a young guy over there with the Cardinals, up and coming. These are freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. Man, there's we're full of them in the in the in the league. And uh, you, but you did mention that a lot of them are over there in the AFC, and that will be a factor going forward. And then on top of it, I mean, the AFC ends up getting, uh, with the 17th game, you know, 16 additional home games. I mean, everybody gets an extra home game where the NFC team has to fly to uh, the city 
that's uh, there. And so it's like, uh, you know, that's a big advantage for the AFC. And the AFC won the interconference battle last year. I just think it's going to be so much more distinct this year, particularly with some of the drop-offs of teams in the NFC. So we're going to alternate that each year, right? So yes. The AFC gets the, home, the extra home game this year. Next year it'll be uh, the extra 16 games of NFC home games. And, and uh, you know, that is a factor. Football, football is, is pro football especially, I guess college to a certain extent, um, has a real home field advantage over time. You know, it, there's not as much advantage in other sports where there's less communication, verbal communication that takes place with so many different people. And so the home teams, you know, over time win almost 60 almost 60% of the games. That's not the case in other sports. So there, it is it, it is interesting. Um, home field advantage does does exist in the National Football League. And how much when more? There's fans. Yeah, and how much more this year the fans are in the stands? Yeah, last year not so much. In fact, it was almost a downer for home teams to show up, and it's like a practice or a scrimmage. You can hear crickets. Uh, so that was, I think you throw the stats out uh, last year because of COVID, but this year, yeah, yeah, and you watch these games, we're getting a lot of illegal procedure penalties and because guys haven't practiced and played and you know for a year now with with that kind of crowd noise and that kind of concentration that that is required with these loud crazy uh, fan bases and so uh, these guys are going to have to get used to playing in front of people again. Mm-hmm. I know it's it's so and of course <clears throat> the other thing is the fact that there were so many players that uh, didn't play in the preseason. A lot of these teams yeah. right now, I don't think, are ready for a four-quarter game. Yeah, you know, this is a new time because, John, when I was coaching, and you know this, we would pretty much play all our guys, and and I'm, and I'm talking quarterback because, you know, what, what what did you say? A dozen or Baker's dozen or how many quarterbacks starting? Thirteen. Quarterbacks didn't Thirteen play at all. Yeah. Yeah, and so that that didn't used to happen that way. You know, I always played Brett Favre and Steve Young and Elway played and Elmer. They all played. You were you know you limited them and you played the third preseason game for at least a half and and this and that you know. But you were nervous. You know that your guys would get hurt. Of course you were nervous, but you felt that it was needed. You know, even though the off seasons were longer. And even though there were four and five preseason games, you just felt that you needed to get the rust off and you needed to get in rhythm with your guys. I, but I remember coming down the elevator when I was playing a preseason game. I was with the Niners. I had Steve Young at quarterback. And I got to the training room or to the cafeteria and, and pregame meal, and I went, Steve, you're not playing today. He goes, what are you talking about? And I said, I don't know. I just I just don't feel right about it. I'm nervous. Just sit and watch, will you? And he kind of gave me some grief because these guys want to play right oh yeah but 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 i i just got a little nervous and i i didn't play in that game but but that was rare because usually we would play our guys now it's not just the quarterbacks a lot of the starting running backs and, and some other guys some premier receivers and tight ends are not playing in the preseason so there's going to be a bit of a rust uh, a bit a bit of a, a time period where it takes to get back in football shape, so to speak, and tackling and blocking and the physical part of it where your body can take a hit. That's why boxers spar, so they can toughen up their skin and, and be able to take a punch. So, um, you know, we're, we're seeing more and more of resting your players, 
you know, erring on the side of caution with, uh, you know, you don't get them hurt. <laughs> you know, if they if they don't play in the preseason games, they don't get hurt in preseason games. So that's the only guarantee. Uh, but the other guarantee, I think, is they're a little bit rusty. Yeah, no uh, doubt. Yeah, the one the one thing that was kind of interesting is that, uh, you know, you would think as you get uh, into the preseason, there was going to be, you know, more guys playing. But it went 522 players didn't play in week one. 565 didn't play in week two, and 591 didn't play in week three. How does that compare with other years, though? You're a professor. you got to know this. Well, I, 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 I guess is that, you can, is that rare? Well, I mean, I guess compared to uh, 2020, it's not rare because they didn't have any preseason games. Nobody so. played. But Nobody but played, yeah. But no, it's, it's, never been, it's never been like that. Never. Not uh, even close. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I if if we didn't play Brett Favre in a preseason game, he would throw a fit, you know, because guys typically love 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 to play the game and feel it's necessary to to uh, get in there a little bit and mix it up and take a hit and you know those things. Um, but you know, a couple few years ago when 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 Sean McVay you know didn't play the starters in the preseason at all, ended up in the Super Bowl. I think people start saying, hmm, that's not a bad idea because if I get these guys that are paid so much money hurt uh, it really kind of screws us up a little bit so uh, people more and more now are being careful and saying hey we're going to get enough practice uh you know with each other and a little, little practice with other teams um we'll uh, we'll save the hits on their body until the real until the real time starts you know and so we'll see if that's good news or not yeah and of course i mean that's the interesting part is that uh, sean mcveigh led the league keeping out about 120 players or 112 players in the three games. And they come out and they blow out the bears in week one. Yeah, they did. And, and uh, you know, 34 to 14 win, uh, they look strong. And, and uh, as much as I like Jared Goff, who's over now with the lions, uh, Matthew Stafford looks like he's very comfortable in this system. And, and he's been a heck of a quarterback in this league for a decade but he's playing with the Lions, and so he's never had a defense like this. And and uh, so now he's not going to be, you know, he leads the league in fourth quarter comebacks because the Lions were behind a lot. And so not, that's not going to happen as much now with this great defense of the Rams. So uh, Matthew Stafford, even though it was very expensive, giving up a couple of ones and some draft picks and Jared Goff, um, I think that trade's going to pay dividends. No doubt. Uh, any explanation for the Green Bay Packers and what happened to them in a 35-point loss to a New Orleans Saints team that was technically down 10 starters at the beginning of the season from last year? Yeah, and not only that, John, New Orleans Saints were displaced. You know, they yeah. because of Hurricane Ida, they have to move to Texas. They're practicing over there in Texas Stadium or Dallas State, AT&T. They're practicing at TCU. They moved 120 family members from that area to Texas. You know how disjointed that is and how and how difficult it is to focus on football when you're having to move out of your home and move your family. There are the kids in school. I mean, what do we do? You know, I mean, how do we prepare? Where are we going to play? Are we going to play? I mean, that was such a distraction and difficult period to see them come out and destroy the Green Bay Packers, who, by the way, are an excellent football team. I don't care what that score said, 38-3. to Packers are really good. I was at their training camp this year, and I, I walked away, and I was at the Niners. I, was, I walked away going, 
this is a three-horse race in the NFC. It's the Bucks, it's the Packers, and it's the Niners because these teams are loaded. And, boy, did they lay an egg. The Saints, give them credit. Dennis Allen's defense just shut down Aaron Rodgers like we've never seen before. And, of course, Jameis Winston did his thing. And uh, I think this offense is really good for him. He's not going to be, you know, firing the ball down the field all over the place and throwing 30 interceptions. That's not going to happen uh, with this Sean Payton offense. I, I was so impressed with the Saints team and their energy and their and their execution was fantastic for the situation that they're in. I wanted to talk offensive philosophy with you because one thing that I think is going rampant in the league right now, and it looks very good, is that more teams are taking guys – from the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan staff, and putting in that uh, 49er-type, Rams-type offense. How do you describe what that offense is? Because obviously it goes back to Mike Shanahan, and I don't know if there's comparisons of how it was with Bill Walsh and all those different things, but how do you describe that offense? Okay, so Mike Shanahan, heck of a coach, uh, as we all know, and uh, won a couple of Super Bowls, and he'll be a Hall of Famer, but... You know, he he learned that um, in San Francisco. I mean, he had he had he was coaching prior to that, obviously, but in San Francisco, where he really developed uh, the West Coast offense with Steve Young and Jerry Rice, and won the Super Bowl '94 and this and that. Um, and then he, when he went to uh, Denver, he, he he felt that running the football a little bit more often. And from eye formation, you know, from, from, not from split backs, from, from eye and offset eye and, and single back and that type of thing was very beneficial and, and it's simple to teach with your offensive line schemes, uh, you know, the zone blocking scheme. And, and so he, he, he really blended that philosophy and that run game with the West Coast offense and all its play action and movements and keeps that go along with it. And you're right, because the Kyle Shanahan's and the Sean McVay's and Mike LaFleur and Matt LaFleur and, and uh, you know, these guys are, are getting hired because I think it's, I think it's beneficial for a, for an organization to have the head coach act as the offensive coordinator and get tied, joined at the hip with the quarterback. All right. Because for example, Kyle Shanahan and whoever the quarterback will be uh, can be, can be tied together for a long time that coach is not going to move out of there. You know, if, if you lose your offensive coordinator, you still have the head coach whose offense it is. If, if you have a defensive head coach and, and you have a young quarterback, you're, you're, if you're successful, you're going to lose your offensive coordinator. You're going to lose your quarterback coach. You're going to have musical chairs on the coaching staff um, every, every time you turn around when you're successful. And that's, that's, you take a step back when you change like that. So, so I think a lot of owners tend to think that, hey, I'm going to hire a guy that's going to be develop a quarterback and be with him for 10, 10 or 12, 15 years. Yeah, now what, what uh, Shane Waldron comes over from the uh, <clears throat> Sean McVay staff, what did you yep. see from uh, how that fit seemed to go last week against Indianapolis with Russell Wilson? Yeah, and I, you know what? I, I uh, We did a, our pregame show, and we did uh, kind of pick two of the MVPs. You know, you always pre- we're always predicting things, right? Right. And, you know, the, the, there was, you know, some guys said uh, – Patrick Mahomes and some said Tom Brady and and I, you know those are kind of the obvious choices that are you know Aaron Rodgers and I said Russell Wilson and and I like I like the fit I Russell Wilson has the weapons that he needs he's got he's they they know how to win there heck they were twelve and four last year 
And Shane Waldrum is a guy that, you know, that, that would like to blend the run game and the passing game. And, and Russell Wilson can, uh, you know, he can play from the pocket. He can play outside the pocket. He can improvise. He can do it all. He's smart. He protects himself. He, he's the guy that these young athletic quarterbacks should study because nobody has protected himself better than Russell Wilson. You know, he, he's, he's, he's not come from a team that has drafted offensive linemen high every year and, and, and start with that like the Dallas Cowboy organization did or, you know, the Colts are doing or some of these teams, you know, they, they try to do the best they can and he's under duress quite a bit, but he's still very productive whether he's from the pocket or outside. And, and uh, but I, I really like that, that, uh, that marriage. If, they, if he does well, Shane's going to get a – he's going to head coaching – possibility you know or opportunity and, and then they're gonna have to just kind of figure out another guy that, mm-hmm. that, that but pete carroll's not going anywhere the bill belichick so those defensive kind of guys have had great 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 success but you got to be prepared to lose offensive coordinators if you're successful yeah in fact wrapping it up with uh, pete carroll how about the fact that he's 70 years old and he's on a five-year contract extension and he's going to surpass <laughs> uh marv levy who uh, got out of the game at 72 I love it. I, I love it. And you you know what? If, if you just kind of watched Pete and didn't know him, you know, or just watched video of him practicing and playing and coaching, chewing gum, you would you would never think he's 70 years old. Okay, he, act, he plays basketball. He acts like a kid. I mean, he's, he acts like he's 38 years old. He's got more energy than uh, the half the team. And so, and he, boy, you, uh, you, I, love, I love his approach. Um, he's, he, he is high energy and he's, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what a player's coach is. I don't know what that is. But he he has the, the respect of these guys. He's not like uh, way up here on a pedestal, and I, I'm a different generation than you guys. Don't talk to me right now. I mean, he's right in there with them, and, and uh, they love him, and they respond to him. And I hope he coaches till he's 112 because he's good for the league. He really is. And, of course, you're good for the league, too. Of course, uh, Steve Mariucci, NFL analyst for the NFL Network. You can follow him at Steve Mariucci. You can watch him at 6 a.m. on NFL Game Day on uh, the NFL Network. Steve, thanks so much for joining us on Schooled with the Professor. All right, Professor John Clayton. It's been a it's been a pleasure talking to you. Let's do it again sometime. Okay? okay, sounds great. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor. 